First, to whether Israel has become seriously unstable, or put it another way, is the so-called Israeli spring set to change the politics of that country? It's been an extraordinary time in the life of the 75-year-old democracy, culminating in Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu calling a month-long pause this week to his controversial judicial overhaul. However, there are the implications, for instance, of a new National Guard having been introduced under the direct control of National Security Minister Itamar Ben-Gavir. Can an acceptable middle ground be found? and where, it must be asked, do Palestinian rights sit within this huge turmoil? Here's one famous voice from the massive demonstrations of the past fortnight, summarising demonstrators' attitudes. The only thing that limits the power of an Israeli government is really the Supreme Court. We have no constitution, there is no Senate or upper chamber, uh, there is no federal system, and now the government is trying to gain control of the Supreme Court. If it succeeds, there is no longer any mechanism in Israel that limits its power. That's novelist Yuval Noah Harari on a Tel Aviv street speaking to the BBC's Global News podcast this week. What does come next? Well, Tova Lazarov is Deputy Managing Editor at the Jerusalem Post. Welcome, Tova. Thank you for having me. How would you characterise the state of relations within Israel at the end of this remarkable week? Well, in a strange way, you know, one could argue that Israeli democracy has never been stronger, right? I mean, Mm. what happened this week was kind of sort of a phenomenal thing where the National Union called a nationwide strike, the airport closed, you know, malls closed, and then people spontaneously headed to the streets to demonstrate. Now, of course, they've been demonstrating all along, but this was really the largest and biggest demonstration that happened and it happened so spontaneously and it spoke to you know like a groundswell of frustration and the whole thing really passed you know really very peacefully with few exceptions so on one hand the ability of israelis to speak up and to express their opinion about government policy without you know, many arrests without much violence speaks to a very strong vibrancy. The fact that in, that the fact that they think that they can have a say, and then they go and they do have a say, and then they go home. And so, on one hand, what you're seeing is how strong Israeli democracy is. On the other hand, what you're seeing is also where some of the flaws are. So right now there is a government that wants to change some critical ways in which legal issues are handled. One is to give politicians power over who will select their judges. And the other is to give the Knesset the ability to create laws that cannot be reviewed by the Supreme Court, including in instances that involve individual rights. These very two elements of a a larger judicial reform package is concerning Israelis that maybe at the end of the day, they they could be moving either to a more authoritarian democracy or, you know, in some people's more worse predictions, a dictatorship. They're not the only people that are concerned. Um, The banks have spoken out. The governments have, you know, the, the United forces. States spoke I mean, out quite forcefully. It's been quite extraordinary. And particularly because until now it was being done only with the coalition and didn't involve, you know, any dialogue with the opposition. What happened this week is that a new committee was formed 
like the, the like work was suspended for a month, although I just want to say it was going, you know, it happens that it's a holiday month in Israel. So in a way, it's a little bit of a cosmetic suspension, but it wasn't completely because they were about to do final passage of the bill changing the um, how judges were selected. But they paused everything for a month. And in that month, there's supposed to be talks, which have already begun, that involve all members of of the Knesset. In other words, all parties, opposition and coalition, and to see if they can't find right. legislation that would be agreeable to all sides. Do, so, you, do, do, do you sense that what might be called the more liberal side of Israeli democracy is is becoming stronger in itself? I mean, various writers say the more progressive elements haven't been so activated for many, many years. I think they haven't, they haven't been so activated. Uh, but I actually would, would say it differently. I would say that the legislate, the attempt to change the laws underscored a weakness in Israel's legal system that, or in, in Israel's governmental structure that people had never paid attention to and assumed that they never really needed to fix. And now that they feel that that's in danger, they're speaking up on that. I don't think they thought they needed to until right this minute. And so, yes, you haven't seen a protest movement like this in Israel I don't think in anybody's memory. Hmm. Well, uh, the the anthem of the protests, I understand, is I have no other home. And as it's been pointed out, it's like a civics lesson of their lives for people who are out there sort of basically, you know, uh, making a lot of money, being very productive in the tech industry and so on. And suddenly that, yes, they're they're alerted to risks within their democracy. A hundred percent. It would never have occurred to anybody Let's just say that before, if the Knesset had passed legislation and then it had gone to the court and the court had said that legislation is illegal, it goes against, you know, the country's basic laws and therefore you could do it. You can't do it. It had never occurred to anybody that that could not happen, that 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 the Knesset didn't necessarily need to listen to the court. The moment you put it out there that you have a government that might not want to listen um, to the court on a critical point, you have, even though we don't have a constitution, you have effectively what you would call a constitutional crisis. Mm. So yeah, it's a, it's a new place for Israelis and they're really, they are really responding. Now, the, there's also, one could argue, a new place emerging for rightist elements who are clearly gathering themselves too. And this National Guard proposal, for instance, how's that being received? Um, I think people don't really know enough yet about it. So I think it it hasn't really gained so much traction. I think give it a day or two and it'll gain a lot more traction because the government has to vote on it on Sunday. So it's just coming. It's sort of just coming into that back into the headlines this morning. Um, I think that it depends where you sit on the political map. Right. Mm. And I think there for the you know, there's a reason why the Israeli right is pursuing these reforms, because they feel like the current system is stacked against them, and they want to adjust that. Well, um, the, I've, I've been... And, and they, mm. 
hearing remarks they about feel, them saying they, they are the majority, for instance, you know, they're, they're asserting themselves in ways that is also unusual, is it not? Um, I think it's unusual for Israel to have a government that includes elements of the far right and elements of the far right that feel empowered and empowered in important ways, right? So the fact that Itamar Ben-Gvir is in charge of the police and, you know, the fact that Betzalel Smotrich is a minister in the defense ministry, aside from being finance minister, and sits on the cabinet and sits on the security cabinet, raises interesting questions mm-hmm. about who is in charge of and the kind of thinking that goes in to orders given and to and to the police. But in particular, this idea of whether or not there would be a section of the police that would be directly responsible to Itamar Ben-Gvir, because right now, you know, it's been a big question of how much authority he has or he does not have over the police, Mm -hmm. even though he is the national security minister. So this would give him direct authority. Yeah, I think that for the same people that are protesting, you know, the judicial reform, then that is also, yes, a very problematic move. Where would you see the president sitting at the end of this week? What are his options? We've been talking about that on the program, but where do you see them now? Look, as the president of the country, he is the person leading the talks. He wanted to do that from the beginning, but the presidency itself has a ceremonial role. If you don't give that role, you know, respect, you don't have to give it respect by law. He's been calling for consensus talks from the start. And the presidency is seen as a neutral body, but the government didn't want to listen. I mean, the government didn't want to do it. And do you think that's changing? Netanyahu finally agreed this week. So his saying that I want to hold talks wasn't enough. It really needed it really needed Netanyahu to agree to it, something that only happened this week. So he has a certain amount of influence as a neutral arbitrator, but he doesn't have any power really in this situation. Right. Now, look, final question. I just wondered uh, about where Palestinians say sit and and Arab Israelis sit in all this. I mean, uh, well, a couple of questions. Are they out on the streets as well? I'm just not entirely clear about that. And I was thinking of Peter Beinhart, the um, uh, the new, uh, American commentator, who remarked a few years back that, that Israeli democracy would be damaged if ultimately, if it couldn't find a solution to living with Palestinians, do you think that is playing out? I mean, you wanna you wanna distinguish right um, between Israeli Arabs who live within sovereign yes, Israel. Yes, I know they're separate. I know that have full mm. citizenship rights, and Palestinians who live outside of Israel's um, sovereign borders, many of whom live under their own government. You know, the question really is about Israeli Arabs and their participation. And they have not really been so much participating. But um, there was a call put out by, an you know, an Israeli Arab politician, Mansour Abbas, and he really urged people to come out, Israeli Arabs to come out and to do so under Israeli flag because, you know, that this was really a question of what was happening, having much more to do with you know, Israeli democracy, and they 
should participate in it as Israelis. And so it, that'll be interesting. I think he's also been involved in the talks. Right. And no real, there's just not a constituency. It, there's so much happening, the, the issue of Palestinian rights or two-state solution, well, that's just not Well, on. you're talking about the, you're talking about the two-state solution. And, and while this will impact how Israel might, might do that, and I, you know, you could talk about, you know, what is, what is the connection between democracy and a two-state resolution. Ultimately, this is a question about Israeli democracy. That's that's the question that's in front of everybody. Yep. And you know, and how that plays out for the large, you know, how that mm. plays out on every issue um, that a state deals with, whether or not it's its economy, whether or not it's academic research, academic freedom, you know, all of those things, including how it handles the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, mm. those will all be impacted. But you, this, before you know what the impact is, you have to know what's happening with yes. Israeli democracy. And that is hinging on some very critical bills mm. that are going through the Knesset. And the success of those bills in one way or the other is, is dependent on how the rest of Israel reacts and the ability of the right of the Israeli right to push forward their agenda, it turns out. It, you know, they, ha- they have a lot of strength to do that because there aren't that many checks and balances mm, no. in the Israeli system. And that's why everybody, you know, is using the power that they do have, which is a lot more about the power of the street. Look, thank you very much indeed. We'll continue watching with great interest. I, I appreciate your time. Thank you. Tova Lazarov, uh, Deputy Managing Editor at the Jerusalem Post. And if you care to look at the Financial Review yesterday, there's a very interesting piece reprinted uh, from the Washington Post about something called the Kohelet po- Policy Forum, uh, founded by an American Israeli and, and uh, funded by a US libertarian billionaire, apparently having a great deal of influence behind the scenes on all of these developments. It's a very interesting piece. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.